0: Skywatch TV is no stranger to the unmerciful side effects of a culture that often seems to break its own neck in order to cancel, delete, make, disappear content that it wishes to silence. It has become a serious challenge here in Western society especially to broadcast meaningful or substantive biblical absolutions using the platforms, uh, these very platforms that are almost entirely hostile to those very beliefs without the risk, of course, of being shut down, deplatformed, canceled, or all of the above. Now this dilemma is certainly not a new one, and one that many individuals in the Bible who were considered to be bad guys understood very well. Is there something that we as Christians can learn from these biblical rebels? Today's guest is here to share some uncancelable truths. Hello everybody and welcome to Skywatch TV. I'm Joe Artis Horn. We continue a very special series on two new works from Defender Publishing this week again. But before we dive into that, let me introduce who's in studio. He's a Bible teacher with a Master of Divinity degree from Talbot University, retired financial business analyst, and valuable voice in biblical prophecy. Please help me welcome Jonathan Brentner. <laughs> He's the author of countless best-selling books that have been distributed into the hundreds of thousands of copies worldwide, and a dear friend of not only our ministry, but my family personally. Please welcome Mr. Terry James. Now, the two new works from Defender Publishing that I mentioned just a moment ago. First, the new book by Jonathan Brentner, Cancel This, the subtitle, What Today's Church Can Learn from the Bad Guys of the Bible. And we've been talking in recent weeks about New World Order, the brand new book from Terry James and Pete Garcia. And I'm going to read you the subtitle again, Worlds in Collision and the Rebirth of Liberty. And is that not what we're seeing unfold all around the world right now, Tom? We're talking about a world that to me, I continue to say, appears to be on fire, And those that are unable to discern that, I feel very sorry for. I deeply sympathize with those because to me, if you're still in the camp that we're living out political days of normal, uh, this is the status quo, red versus blue team fight. You pull a lever sometimes that goes this way, you pull a lever occasionally it goes that way. If you still believe that we're living in old Americana, that this is traditional politics as usual, that there is no real threat of nuclear war or World War III or a run on the banks, or the collapse of the dollar, or the value of the dollar, I'm afraid that you're not paying attention. (laughs) And that's not a judgmental statement. I'm not the unilateral arbiter of all things knowledgeable or any of that. I'm just telling you my my opinion, is -hmm. if you're not discerning it, um, you're missing a lot. You're missing a lot. It's to me very self-evident, Tom. And I said at the onset, this cancel culture, You know, Tom mentioned, uh, I think it was last week's program, that that Skywatch truly has been deplatformed, canceled many, many times. And I'm afraid to say that even some of our um, Christian networks that re-air the program have sent back episodes. That's too hot for TV, they describe. And some of the programs that a lot of the culture that would re-air our program has issues with, Jonathan, are programs where we've gone out to identify the problems with sex with minor children.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: simply stating that it is a federal crime for a person above the age of 18 to 21 to have sex with a child and those programs being too hot for television. Executives Mm -hmm. that run a lot of these platforms simply, it's just too much. We can't deal with the hate we're going to receive to simply declare a truth like that, that again, to me is self-evident, but it's also a menu of other things, Jonathan, that you can't talk about. Cancel culture. Some of the characters that you highlight in your book Mm -hmm. cancel this dealt yeah. with their own version of trying to be silenced or canceled or were thought of as rebellious or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tell us about the main features of your book, Cancel This, and why you wrote it.
3: Okay, yes, and I think we'll get to that aspect of how it fits in with today's can, uh, cancel culture as we go along. But the book does deal with some of the minor characters. I call them bad guys. Um, it ends with a good guy, John Mark, who... Um, had an initial failure, but he came back to to be greatly used of God. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the book contains you know chapters on these characters, um, such as King Saul and, and so forth, and then an application section where it talks about what we can learn from them. Obviously, you know a lot of them made poor choices. Um, they had total disregard for God and His Word. But yet we can learn from their mistakes. And then there's also a walking with God section in each chapter that deals with how we can apply what we learned about the gospel from them. Mm. Obviously, they didn't have the gospel like we have it now, but we can learn things uh, from them. And then at the end of each chapter on a character, there is a study guide section, which has about eight to 10 questions right. in the the key point of the whole chapter.
0: Right, yeah, I mentioned that in my ad. It's a total bonus value because the yeah. book Cancel This allows you to not only glean stuff that you can take with you in your own personal walk with the Lord, but also really designed, tailor-made, if you will, to be a part of a small group study through yes, the Bible. Yes, it can be, or, yes. or maybe a pastor that would like to work through some of this content in his church and deal with some of these issues that a lot of our pastors have emailed in and said, are suffering the same types of what they would describe as persecution or cancel culture.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yes.
0: Tom, why did you decide to publish the book, Cancel This? What was it about the manuscript that kind of had your ears and your eyes up? Well,
2: you know, it, it had me right from the beginning. It's been probably over a year ago now that Jonathan brought this book up to me, this uh-huh. idea of the bad guys of the Bible, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then one thing led to the other, and ultimately it wound up with the title Cancel This, What the Church Can Learn from the Bad Guys mm-hmm. of the Bible. And one thing you were just saying, Joe, about pastors, Sunday school teachers, they could take this book, since Jonathan's already done the work for them, right? <laughs> I, really to outline this. It's timely because we are living in a cancel culture, mm-hmm. and uh, we not only have been deplatformed, we're constantly being shadow banned. If you go type in one of our headlines in Google, right. you can hardly get it to even come up because yeah. it's their standard yeah. practice yeah. To, to cancel us, right? So I just thought it was very timely and a very unique approach that would allow pastors, they can get this by the case, we'll give them a big discount if they do, uh, and then they can you know, use it in a, uh, a class setting or Wednesday night Bible study or right. whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
4: Well, let me add to that too. As a woman who has read the book, you know, you, you have uh, it, it, the fact that the, the book is written by a man and it says bad guys on the cover. Please do not assume that only men will gain from this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually gained much from this having mm-hmm. read it myself. You know, does it not say in the epistle to Timothy, the whole Bible is useful for teaching yes. and for proof. Mm-hmm. So when, mm-hmm. you, when you look at that and you look at the studies of that, women are going to get just as much out of this as men. I promise you that it's true.
0: So, Jonathan, again, I'll read the subtitle of the book to cancel this, What Today's Church Can Learn from the Bad Guys of the Bible. Who were some of these characters that you wrote about?
3: Okay, well, there's Cain, of course, and Esau, King Saul, who was... a chief motivation for me writing the book because I started studying him during a difficult time in my life and yeah. I saw how much I was like him, unfortunately. But anyways, <laughs> but, but then there's, there's Joab, who I think we'll talk about here in a, in a moment. The and Absalom and Ahithophel, you know, and some of these guys, you know, they, they let bad emotions drive them. Of course, we mm-hmm. have, we These negative feelings come to us once in a while, but these guys let them determine their entire life. They lived out as though they were driven by these emotions rather than God's word or or what the Lord would have for them.
0: You relate to the story of Joab to James, Uh uh, 4, 1 through 3. Can you explain the connection and why you included that in this book?
3: Okay. Let me read the the first part of that passage that says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. And with the case of Joab, he was noted for two primary murders. One was, was Abner, who he viewed as a threat, because Abner, after David had just ruled over the southern kingdom, Abner came down, let's make a deal. This, you know, Why don't you rule over the whole kingdom? And I, think, and I believe that Joab thought, oh, this guy's after my job too. And so he took him aside and he murdered him. Mm. And then there was Amasa. And they came at a time when David was getting frustrated with Joab. And so he wanted Amasa to lead his army. And of course, then Joab took him aside and, and killed him, put a sword into his, his belly, to be, to be precise. But, but anyways, you know, with this passage talks about quarreling. Well, There's the main difference. Joab never quarreled with anybody. He just killed them. (laughs) He didn't bother with that. Anyways, but still, I think what it relates to us is that a lot of times there are things that we want and we see other people is getting in the way of them. And I think that's what the James passage is about. And that's what Joab was about, and that's what so many people are today. You know, husbands and wives in particular, that, you know, they see their husband or their spouse getting in, in the way of what they want. And, and there's, there's wow. quarreling yeah. And I don't believe that the, the people that James was writing to actually related to physical murder, but there are other ways of, of killing people. And oh, you can sure. do that with, sure. you can do that with words. And yes. in Proverbs twelve eighteen says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, mm-hmm. but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I kind of relate that in the book that. Like Joab sticking his sword into the belly of the people he wanted to kill. People can do that with their words. And they can have blood on their hands, even though they don't physically kill someone.
2: Absolutely.
0: You look at the echo chambers, Tom, that so much of the world is listening to. I'm talking about the corporatized, if you want to call the media or propagandist chambers. But you listen to the venom and the yeah. hatred, yep. the yep. serpentness of what they say and the malice that's behind it. If words do kill, mm-hmm. yeah. the power of life and death is in the tongue yeah. and you can hurt people with words. Yeah. A person like Kenny C would even say the frequency of the enemy mm-hmm. yep. with some of these people that are very useful to that malevolent agenda. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, Jonathan, the the, the yeah. TV itself, just turn it off. It's a yes. it's a source oh, yes. of just constant bombardment of Negativity. this negative, negative, mm-hmm. horrible hatred. And then we wonder, this is a different show, but we wonder why our health, our adrenals, yeah. like our, our body, our thyroids, why we're in a constant state of disaster so much now. There was a, a Psychology Today mm-hmm. article a week or two ago now.
2: But it was talking about how uh, the rise in teenage suicides yes. and how much this generation has lost hope mm-hmm. uh, for the future, but they're relating it to a lot of this cancel culture, all the negativity. And, and, and girls are especially affected by it because it also has to do with the parent. Oh, Parents. for sure. yeah. And uh, they take their value in many ways from the way they think they yeah. look, mm-hmm. if they're pretty or they're not, or they're overweight or they're skinny yeah. or they're whatever. So can you kill people with words? Yeah, we're yes. doing it a lot right Art. now yeah. today, yeah. more
0: in this culture, I think, than I've ever seen before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan, you mentioned a couple of characters that a lot of people may not be familiar okay. with. Ahithophel as a character in your book, uh-huh. what do you think he exhibits in terms of the dangers of seeking revenge? Because we're talking about this hatred, this vindictive nature, the idea that you said something to me I didn't like, it hurt my pride, my hubris got stepped on. Now I'm going to attack you back. This kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you hit me, I'm Teflon, I hit you back. Yeah. What, what do you think Ahithophel in terms of the character in your book? How does he exhibit some of the dangers of seeking revenge?
3: Okay, well, they, we believe that Ahithophel, well, he, we know that he was the grandfather of Bathsheba. And most commentators believe that's why he wanted revenge on David, because of David's sin with Bathsheba, and then, of course, killing Uriah, her, her husband. Mm-hmm. Anyways, one of the things that you see about Ahithophel is that he quickly joined the rebellion of Absalom. And one of the reasons he did that is that he was so angry, he wanted revenge against his best friend, his former best friend, David. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that that I bring out in the book is that sometimes if you intensely hate someone, you start exhibiting their negative characters. And you see this with Ahithophel because one of the first bits of advice he gives to Absalom is to, for Absalom to go into his father's concubines on top of the palace or on top of something. And then a little bit later, you know, he says, I want to be the one to kill David. And there again, he was angry with David for his adultery, mm-hmm. but yet he's promoting adultery. He was angry with him for his murder, but yet he wanted to murder. So he was starting to exhibit the same characteristics. Of the person he hated, and I think that's one of the dangers, aside from the fact that that when when think feelings like this um consume you it it destroys you
0: How do you think using that example of Absalom and Ahithophel relate to the parable of the unforgiving servant in matthew eighteen twenty one through thirty five
3: yeah, I would think if there's one parable that that fits with so many of the characters it 's that one of the unforgiving a servant because they always saw the other person's sins is greater than their own.
1: Mm-hmm. Now it's wow.
3: very likely that Ohithophel had not actually mm-hmm. murdered anyone, but still he had sinned against a righteous and holy God. With Absalom he always thought that other people's sins were greater than his. Yeah. And so he Yeah, wow. Yeah, and and I think that is so crucial, and I think it ties into to eschatology as well, as I've thought about it more and more, and we might get to that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But the parable of the unforgiving servant, you just realize that, that your sins are so much greater against God. And it, it has really helped me to forgive others, to go through that parable, You know, mm-hmm. lay in bed at night and think, okay, my sins against God or against the Lord are worth, let's say, ten billion dollars. It may be the sins of others against me are like ten thousand dollars, or maybe a thousand dollars. Or combined, they add to the ten thousand dollars. And it's, sometimes it's taken many, many times of going through that scenario of having the the different amounts in thinking of people in my mind to really let go and to forgive them but but it's really helped me to forgive other people well, along with the holy spirit and in the book i've mentioned that you know i've seen people whose lives were destroyed by bitterness and unforgiveness oh, for sure. but Absolutely. it takes it takes the holy spirit and god's word to really to really let go of it to, you know and i think that and you know, Jesus' parable there is is one of my
0: favorites. We need to be forgiving, mm-hmm. but man, oh, man, do we need forgiveness for ourselves? And how many of you show of hands, or don't show your hands? <laughs> how many of you ever worried more about what something else did to a cost or some sin you think you see in their lives, and you forget that maybe in your own life there's this whole thing you're not concerned enough about it. Mm-hmm. No show of hands. <laughs> but I think I'm—I'll just say, I, you know, I'm, I've been guilty of that in the past, worrying more about what somebody else is up to rather than what's in my own backyard. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to make sure that you know how you can get copies of these incredible works in the brand new Final Agenda Super Collection. And stay with us to the end of today's program when we give you just a sneak preview of the Coming Judgments DVD featuring Jonathan Brentner, Pete Garcia, and Terry James. Watch this. With a global one
1: world cabal rising, it is time for the remnant of God to prepare spiritually for what is coming like never before. Skywatch TV is proud to announce the Final Agenda Super Collection. When you order the Final Agenda Super Collection from the SkywatchTVStore.com, you'll receive the brand new book by Terry James and Pete Garcia, New World Order, Worlds in Collision, and the Rebirth of Liberty. This groundbreaking new book puts on full display all the telltale signs of the impending collapse of Western civilization that are all around us. From the out-of-control national debt, corruption at every level of government, cities suffering from rampant crime and lawlessness, the intentional sabotage of Western education systems and the growing potential for nuclear world war new world order also navigates the globalist agenda to merge ancient paganism into modern technology to excise God's created order via the great reset and explains how individuals can and need to confront all these issues head-on but that's not all when you order the final agenda super collection you'll also receive Jonathan Brettner's brand new book cancel this this incredible new work from acclaimed author Jonathan Britner takes a zoomed in look at precisely what we as Christians can learn from colorful characters throughout the Bible that are often thought of as bad guys. Cancel This examines what led to their disastrous decision making and total lack of sound judgment that would ultimately bring total destruction to their lives. By exploring these historical biblical accounts, we ourselves can learn profound lessons about how to avoid the same anger, bitterness, greed, pride, unforgiveness, and even the desire for vengeance and today's toxic cancel culture. And as a total bonus, each chapter of Cancel This concludes with thought-provoking questions organized in a way that can help readers apply solid biblical truths in group Bible studies. But we're just getting started. You'll also receive absolutely free while supplies last, the best-selling book by Terry James and contributing authors like Dr. Thomas Horn, Jonathan Bretner Bill Salas, Pete Garcia, and so many more. Trajectory, tracking the approaching tribulation storm where you'll learn why so-called woke insanity, cancel culture, and the mainstream media are indoctrinating our social, educational, and even military institutions with anti-God, anti-America as founded sentiment. You'll also learn about emerging topics like pandemic tidal waves, catastrophic weather changes, Mideast malevolence, and so much more. But we're still not done. The Final Agenda Super Collection also includes the amazing DVD, The Coming Judgments. Join Terry James, Pete Garcia, and Jonathan Brittner as they delve into great detail on the seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments listed in the book of Revelation. This exclusive DVD also features Jonathan Britner's presentation entitled, Hope in the Rapture, where you'll be shocked to find out why the Thessalonians were grief-stricken regarding the rapture upon receiving the Apostle Paul's first letter, and how you can be free from this very same trap sold separately the items in the final agenda super collection hold a retail value of $85 yours right now for your donation of only $35 plus shipping and handling you can scan the qr code on your screen right now using the camera app on your phone to place your order at SkyWatchTVStore.com or call 1-844-750-4985 and ask for the final agenda super collection today
0: Getting back into it, Jonathan, okay. before we run out of time, what do you think Saul's impatience teaches us about waiting on God in difficult circumstances? I mean, how do you think these things relate to the day in which we live now?
3: Okay, well, first of all, you know, we often get impatient with the Lord and, and waiting for him. And know there was a time in my life where it was really difficult for me to wait for the, for the Lord to turn things around, things that really gone haywire. In my life, and it was at that time that that I started teaching a Bible study on these minor characters and King Saul especially spoke to me and in some of the things that I bring out in the book about him looking at the excuses that he offers, we can see where his thinking went awry went off mm-hmm. went off the tracks and The first thing is that you know it teaches us to focus on Christ, not the mess yeah. and I think that speaks to today because you know, in a world, we like to talk about prophecy and what's going on in our world, but we still need to focus primarily on Christ, his mm-hmm, coming for right. us, yeah. his yeah. hope, rather than, than the mess. Even though we have to go into the mess to talk about it, our focus <laughs> needs to be Christ. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah? And, and then secondly, you know, Saul was really the first person to to use the idea of the ju- ends justify the means. You see this, well, if I offer this sacrifice, it's going to remedy the whole situation, even though he wasn't supposed to do it until Samuel arrived. And I think that, you know, we have to avoid the reasoning of the world, such as it's going to get back to normal and, mm-hmm. and everything's going to be okay. It's, it's not going to get back to normal. The third thing that Saul failed to do is to hold on to God's promises. Because if you look earlier in the book of 1 Samuel, you see that God made specific promises that, that the Israelites were going to defeat the Philistines, that, yeah. that he, there was going to be that. And you see that Jonathan, his son, did believe those promises, but his dad didn't. And I think that we live in a day and age where we have to hold on to God's promises of his coming. <laughs> yes.
2: You know, 1 Amen. Thessalonians
3: 4, 1 Corinthians 15. We really need to hold on to those I read one of those passages almost every week, along with Philippians 3, you know, and Titus, because you need to hold on to them. You you can't just... Head knowledge doesn't work as things get more more, um, chaotic in our world. And then the last one was to trust God's person, not religious behavior.
4: Oh, for sure. And we see
3: that with Saul. It took me a while to recognize that, but Saul was trusting the sacrifice rather than God. Yeah. He was trusting his behavior. And he thought, well, if I did A, B, and C, God will do this. And I think yeah. we need to be careful of that, of that reasoning because sometimes we can do A, B, C thinking that, oh, God's really pleased with me, and it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would. Right. Yeah. So right. often that happens.
4: Here's what I love about your book. Okay. And it takes it takes these ideas that some people in the church, obviously not you, but some people in the world of theology want to overcomplicate and yeah. you know focus on all these little minute details and the simple package sometimes gets missed or overlooked. Uh-huh. You say, let's bring it back to Jesus. Now, here's what I love about that. As Tom is my witness, Mm -hmm. you know, me, Tom, and Larry Spargimino a couple of years ago wrote a book called Final Fire where we're looking at the signs of the times and we're looking at the socio-political, religio-political climates and all the changes that are happening in the world. Mm -hmm. And we see a big move of God coming. I'm talking something that, that will mute even the Protestant Reformation, something that is bigger than anything we've seen in 500 years since the time of Martin Luther, right? When this Jesus People movement comes, there are going to be younger people who say, I don't know what the Bible says in that area. Well, they've got, you know, the church fathers that wrote of it in this archaic English that's outdated by at least, you know, seven, 800 years. <laughs> and then they have all of these other complicated people over here. And then half the other books that are left over don't pass the theology check. We are going to need when this next movement of God comes, here's the bottom line. We are going to need solid, systematic theological, biblically sound teaching, and the way that you've done it is also beautiful. You say, look, here's the bad guys, right? And here's where you are. Uh, uh, The mistakes these characters made, the lessons that they learned during the process of correction or rectification, and how today's reader has more than they think they do in common with these biblical characters. Wow. It's an absolutely necessary book for today.
3: Thank you, Donna, for your positive appraisal of my book and good things to say about it. I do hope that my book can speak to the people, even the younger generation. Yeah. And I know that there will be a lot of people saved before the rapture they are right now and after the rapture who will who, who benefit by seeing how, what they can learn from the Bible in practical
0: terms. Yes. That's great.
4: Yes. Yes.
0: Unfortunately, we are all out of time again, but join us next week as we continue our discussion on cancel culture and the dangers of reducing our lives to a simple list of do's and don'ts. You're not gonna wanna miss it. For everybody here in studio, everybody on panel, Terry, Jonathan, thanks again for coming back this week. I'm Joe Artis Horn. Keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. We'll be back. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a sneak peek of the Coming Judgments DVD featuring Terry James, Peter Garcia, and Jonathan Brentner, available now in the Final Agenda Super Collection. Watch this.
3: Today I wish to touch briefly on the difficult times in which we live and then move rather quickly to the hope that we have in Jesus. We know that we live in perilous times, and Second Timothy three one to five aptly describes these times in which we live. And starting in verse one of Second Timothy three, but understand this: that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, or perilous times, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, some might say that these qualities have existed ever since the time that Paul wrote and that these have all been in the last days. And
4: I guess.